Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today. We're in the middle of a series called Prayer, Power, and Wisdom, and we hope that this blesses you. If you're looking for more information, check us out at newriverchurch.org. Let's do our memory verse, Proverbs 11, 11, and let's uh, say this with me out loud if you would. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it's torn down, or it's destroyed, torn down, destroyed. Through the blessing, it's the same idea. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. And my prayer is that by memorizing this verse that this summer, that every time you're in a conversation when you're bad-mouthing our government, or you're bad-mouthing the state of Connecticut, or bad-mouthing city of Manchester, or the place where you live, that the Holy Spirit will convict you. You're welcome. I want to give you the Word of God. So, because you see the Scripture, you see our responsibility. We're, we're here to bless the city that we live in, not curse it. Uh, the wicked are the ones who destroy it with their mouths. But God's people build up the city with their mouths, see? So we have a different role to play, don't we? And um, so I think it's a really important scripture verse for us to keep in mind. This morning we want to talk about the power of timing. This has been, we've been in this series this summer, um, really kind of diving into how can we bring this blessing to our city, to the places where we live. And so this morning we're talking about the power of timing. Like, have you, you know, like you're in that moment and God's doing something powerful right then. You know, we've all been there. We love those moments and want more of them. But time is essential, really. Have you ever been in one of those meetings where you finished the meeting and you thought to yourself, well, that's two hours I'll never get back, <laughs> right? You've been there. You think it's such a boring meeting. And because time is one of those things that you can't get it back, can you? Once it's spent, it's over. It's time is just got this limited value to it right there, and I can't go back and redo it, um, so I want to make the most of it. Time, I was thinking about it this week, time is also a great equalizer because we all have the same amount of it. We all have 24 hours in a day, every one of us. doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, if you're famous or unknown, like we all have the same 24 hours. You think about that. You're sharing the same 24 hours with some famous person that you think is cool, you know? You're sharing the same 24 hours. And it's a question of what do I do with those 24 hours? Some people, you know, you might use your 24 hours and really maximize them. I might completely waste mine, but we have the same 24 hours. That statement, I just don't have the time, is really a statement of my priorities and not a statement of my time because I still have the same 24 hours. It's how I'm spending those 24 hours. I might be choosing to do one thing and you're choosing to do something else, and I guess time will tell as to who made the best choice, but the idea that I don't have enough time is really not a true statement. And have you noticed also that some moments are more valuable than others? There are some that are just, uh, you know, okay, it, was, it is what it is. And then there's other moments where you just know, wow, something really special happened. And it's just a more valuable, more rich moment. Uh, another principle that I've noticed about time is that you have to have quantity time in order to have quality time, that the two aren't separated from one another. 
I know some people, you know, some parents I know will say, well, you know, I don't give my kids quantity time, but I give them quality time. I like to say that as if that justifies, you know, never being around. But you notice that quality time doesn't happen on a schedule. Like you can't say at 3.30 on Thursday, I'm going to have a precious moment. Because they don't work that way, do they? They tend to come up by surprise. So I almost need to have the quantity in order to make room for the quality to happen. Like quality happens within the quantity. And then another principle I've noticed too is that God can do more in a moment than I can do in a whole lifetime. And I've seen God, I've seen it with my own eyes, and maybe you have too. God can take a, a whole lifetime of troubles, and like that, one simple word. It's amazing how the Lord does it. I've seen it numerous times in my life. So then if that's the way that God can work, then why not let's spend a lot of our time working for that moment, right? I want to be a part of that moment. I sure don't want to miss that moment when God's working. If he can change a whole lifetime of trouble in one moment, I want to be there to witness it. Don't you? So this is what we want to talk about this morning, like the value of that time and the season that we're in and being able to see what's God, how can I see what God's doing, partner with what he's doing right now in this moment. A couple of scripture verses to lay the groundwork. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time. God's got it established. Another scripture verse in Luke 19, verse 44. Jesus is, is on his way to the cross. So the last, some of the last hours of his life. And the Bible tells us he's weeping over the crowd that's around him that day. And here's what Jesus says as he's weeping. He says, I, he's weeping because, quote, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Wow. Think about that. There's, a, there's something you've missed. There's a missed opportunity. These people, think about it, these people. They had the God of the universe in flesh right there. And they missed him. That's a big miss, isn't it? Sure enough. Um, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says, In the fullness of time... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. In the fullness of time, like this is when God came, and they missed him. I think it would be tragic if you missed him too, or if I missed him. If God came and I missed him. Like what if God comes to the frozen food section at Stop and Shop? Like... You know, and, and we, we chuckle, but the truth is, he does, you know. Could I, and if I missed him there, if I, if I missed him at the gas station, or I, I missed him, you know, down in the cafeteria at work, if I, if I missed him there, boy, I don't want to miss him. Do you? I know I don't. And, and, I, and I don't want you to miss this morning. Like this morning for you could be the, the morning that you actually meet God for the first time. I don't want you to miss them. Don't let this moment pass by because time is limited. Time is precious. It's valuable. Don't let this time pass you by. My prayer is this morning that, that you don't. You know, it's almost like time 
pardon the analogy, like time gets pregnant. Have you, it seems like, like there's this buildup and buildup, and, and then there's the birth. Then there's this something happens. And, and I want to be able to sense the buildup, you know, so that I can be there for the birth. Does that make sense? Like I want to be able to pick up on that. And, and what if God's doing something essential in our generation right now? Like, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what God's doing. I like First um, Chronicles 12.32. It tells us about this group of people called the men of Issachar. And truthfully, we don't know that much about the men of Issachar, but what we do know is this. They understood the times. That's kind of cool to be known as that. They, they understood the times, and they knew what Israel should do. Could we be the people of God who understand our time and know what should be done? Like, could that be us? Could it be? How many of you sense that God's doing something in our time? I sense that he is. Like, I wonder if we're, if we're coming. I think time is pregnant again. I think there's something that's coming down. And I don't want to miss it. Do you? I want to be in tune with what the Lord's doing. So God, may you make us like those men of Issachar who understood the times that we're living in so that we know what should be done, so that we can join you, Lord, in what you're doing. Forgive my crude analogy. It's a little bit crude, but a lot of us are, we think like chickens, you know, and you got chicken thinking and eagle thinking. And, and chickens, they just, they just tend to, they're too busy to pecking at the dirt right in front of them. They don't really notice anything beyond that. But what if God's calling us to be like eagles that soar above it? And we can, we've got an eagle's view of where he's going so that we can join him in that. And you know, that's one of the reasons why chickens are easily scared. They're so busy. They're only focused on the piece of dirt in front of them so that anything can sneak up on them can't sneak up on an eagle. He's over it all. So why don't we think like eagles, you know? I don't want to get caught flat-footed. I, I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. So there's this Bible story in 2 Kings chapter 22. If you turn in your Bibles there, please. I want to take a look at this, and maybe, maybe this, this woman will inspire us a little bit this morning. That's what I'm hoping. Um, her name is Hulda, and maybe you've heard of her. Probably you haven't. Many people haven't. Hulda's not one of the well-known Bible characters, but yet she is a, she's a woman who was, she captured the time that she was in. And God used her in that moment, and he used her powerfully. And I, I want to be like Hulda. So here's the story. While you're looking up 2 Kings 22, here's just some of the background. You've got the little tiny nation of Judah with Jerusalem as its capital. And they're being led by one of the most godly kings that they had in their history, a man by the name of King Josiah. Now, Josiah had a lot working against him. Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, was one of the most wicked kings that Judah ever had. 55 years, bloodbath, rain, terrible, terrible dark times. Josiah's father, Manasseh's son, Amon. Amon was just like his dad, only he was so bad that the guys conspired against him and assassinated him after two years in office, which then thrust Josiah to the throne 
and he was only eight years old. So you got a lot working against this kid, and he's the king of a nation. Can you imagine that on your shoulders? But there was something special about this young man. He had a heart for God. And so here he is as the king, young, young kid leading this nation. He orders the temple of Jerusalem to be cleaned because, of course, it had been desecrated over the last 57 years. It was a mess, and so he wants to reinstitute worship of God properly, and so they clean the, the temple out. And in the process of cleaning out the temple, they find an old, dusty copy of one of the books of the Torah, one of the books of the Bible, which we don't know for sure which one it was, but think it probably was the book of Deuteronomy. could well have been the book of Deuteronomy, what we call that. So they find this book, and they bring it to the king. And here's what happens. Look at verse 11. Uh, Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. Verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Asiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, Asaiah, went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, she was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people. According to everything written in the book, the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols that their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes, and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. And then if you keep reading into chapter 23, you discover then that Josiah and the entire nation of Judah, that he led this nation through what became one of the greatest revivals in their history, a revival, like the whole nation comes back to God. A breathtaking revival took place after this, okay? And you say, well, wow, that's amazing, but look at who's in the center of it, this woman named Huldah. Huldah. She's just a, an average uh, girl, if you think about it. Her husband's got a government job. I mean, it says that he took care of the king's wardrobe. That's not, doesn't sound like that big of a job to me. I guess it might be. I guess it's, it's not that big of a job to me because I think about my wardrobe. I think, okay, you know, five minutes, you organize my T-shirts. It's all done. 
<laughs> but this guy, this guy, he's got like, you know, I mean, if you're the king, you've got to have a robe for this and a robe for that and a robe for this and rings and a hat and so all the all this garb. So you figure this guy, his job is keeping track of the king's threads. And Huldah is his wife. And they live, this is what we know about them, in Jerusalem in the new quarter. And this is all we know about them. And King Josiah, he gets this word, he reads, hears this word read from what's probably the book of Deuteronomy, hears it, his heart is absolutely ripped to shreds, isn't it? He says, oh, we've got we've to understand this. What is God saying to us? Find me somebody who can explain this to me. And who do they find? Huldah. Now, why Huldah? They could have gone to Jeremiah. Do you know that Jeremiah was the prophet during this time? Jeremiah. We have two books of our Bible, at least, written by him, and he's mentioned in others. Jeremiah. He, his ministry of prophecy spanned four different kings. He's a powerhouse in church history, isn't he? A powerhouse in biblical history. And so if you're King Josiah and you have Jeremiah at your disposal, why does he skip Jeremiah and go to Huldah? You know, you don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us, and so we dare not speculate. But I think it's safe to say this, because the word of the Lord came to Huldah. As, as cool as Jeremiah was, sure. Does God, and did God speak through him? Absolutely he did. Many times we have record of it. But in this instance, God's word came through Huldah. And that's why she spoke. That's why she was called upon. And I find this encouraging, don't you? Because I feel like Huldah. I mean, I'm, I'm not Jeremiah. I'm no powerhouse, you know? You, 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 know, you feel normal. You think, well, I just have my regular life, and I do my regular thing, and my, you know... And, and yet, you could be the very one who brings the word of God in this generation. Here's God. He's speaking through this, this woman, housewife, prophetess, housewife slash prophetess. And she brings the word that sets a, a, an entire nation on fire in revival. Amazing, isn't it? And this is all we know about her. From there, she disappears from the biblical record. She's called upon for a time. She was faithful in that time. The end. That's what you know. Can the same be said of you? You're called upon for a time. You're faithful in that time. The end. And you hear the words of God say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I called you up in the moment. And you were there. I called you up. And you stepped in. And you look at the word that Huldah had to bring. Kind of a dicey word, wasn't it? Can you picture yourself in her shoes? So this is the only time we see Huldah in Scripture, right here. The only time. Can, can you imagine if that's your only sermon recorded right there? Right? Definitely a, a dicey message. And on one hand... Hey, Judah's uh, in trouble. The whole country's going to get destroyed. God's mad. Brace yourself. 
And then on the other hand, but Josiah, good news, because you humbled yourself, he'll spare you, but the other generations are in trouble. Wow, that's quite a word. I wonder what kind of person could be faithful enough to rise up in the moment to give that kind of word. I think if I was hold it, I'm just saying me, I think I'd be tempted to water that down a little bit. Like, sure, Lord, that's the word. Like, why don't we, you know, talk about rainbows and butterflies? Uh, that'd be kind of nice. Maybe you throw in a unicorn, and then maybe I'll give, you know, the hard news. No, it's straight on. Lord, may we have the heart of Huldah. May we be faithful in our time so that when you call us up, we're in that moment and we're faithful to you in that moment, see? But you know what happens? I think a lot of us miss the moments because we're so busy looking for something else. You notice that? Uh, Tony Evans, just this week I was talking to Matt Lyles, and, and he mentioned something that Tony Evans said. He's a pastor in Texas, and uh, he's a very good preacher. But one of the things he said, I couldn't find the exact words, so this concept is Tony's concept, but I put it in my own words. So we'll give him the credit for that for sure. But here's, here's what he said. It would seem that much of life is lost because we spend it dying. Holy moments, sacred moments of God are lost they all happen in this moment, but we're too busy dying for the next moment that we miss this moment. When we're kids, we're just dying to grow up. And then when we're grown up, we're dying to start a career and build a family. Then when we're married, we're dying to start kids, have kids. And then when we have kids, we're dying for them to grow up. <laughs> and, then, and then when they grow up, we're, we're dying to retire. And then when we retire, we're just dying, right? We, we miss the holy moments in all of these moments because we're so busy dying for the next moment that we miss the beauty of this moment. So let's not miss the power of what God wants to do right now because I'm thinking about what's next. Like, let's, let's take this moment, standing at the gas station, pumping my gas. Let's take this moment in the line of the grocery store. Let's take this moment at work. Let's take this moment, like in ninth grade, you know, take this moment and use it for the Lord. How do I use this moment for the Lord? God's asking us to serve him in the season that we're in. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you have young children or stay-at-home dad and you're stay-at-home with the young kids, this is a season. It's a crazy season, but it's a season. You feel like it's never going to end, but it will eventually. How can you serve the Lord in this season with young kids? Or, or you're in the empty nest. How can you serve the Lord in this season? You know, or, or you're, you're, uh, you're, in, you're, you're in school, you're in high school, and you feel like, I'm, I'm never going to get out of high school. Like, this is so lame, and you're just so done with it all. But how can you serve the Lord in high school, in this season that you're in, you know? Because this season's going to come, and then it will go. And if you look back on this season, can you say, God, I was faithful to you in that season. I gave it all I had to you in that season, and now that I'm in this season of life, I'm going to give all I got to you for this one too right here, Lord. And I'm going to take the next season and do the same thing and so forth and so on. This is, this is hauled. I'm faithful in this season. And then when God calls me, I'm there. I'm ready. I'm, I'm in tune with what he's doing. How can I maximize it and make the most for God in this moment?
Now, when I say this, there are two extremes that I need to caution us against. And I feel this deeply because I have fallen into both of these extremes. And so I, I know them firsthand. The, the first extreme is, is you can hear a message like this and you can think, oh man, I better do something important for God or I'm going to waste my life and I don't want to waste my life. And so now I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to get hyper-focused on, on giving everything I've got to God and on changing the world and on doing something really important for God. I'm just going to go all in on that. But the problem with that is that you do that and you can miss many of the important God moments that are put in your path in the process. And I can say that as a father with adult children, there's many days I wish I could go back when my kids were little. Days that I was too focused on trying to win the world and do something really important for God out there that I missed what God was doing in the hearts and the minds of my precious kids in those moments. You know, there's times I think the same about my marriage, you know. There's times I've overlooked my marriage, my wife, the gift that God's given to me and my wife. I've overlooked that because I'm so busy trying to do something really important for the Lord out here, and yet he's given me a gift right here and, and something that I can do right here, you know? It's like, so, so don't, don't fall into that trap. So this morning, if you're listening and you're feeling like this pressure, like, oh, I better get out there and be a missionary. I better get out there and save the world and do this. Okay, just rebuke that because that's not from the Lord. That's not this message. So second, the, the other extreme is this. The other extreme, believe it or not, is a tendency to hear this message and then do nothing. <laughs> because what happens is it's easy to spend so much time like searching for, praying for the next powerful move of God that we overlook the simplicity of what he's doing right now under my nose. I know people like that. Like we're literally like hop. I know people that fly around the country because they hear God's doing this thing at that church or doing this thing in that area, this thing over there and that over there. I'm like, you're like basically like kingdom tourists. I don't know what you're doing. You're trying to, you know, get it, get, get the anointing over here and the anointing over there. I'm like, but meanwhile, you're missing all that God's doing right here. Amen. I don't know. Yeah. See what I mean? So it's easy to get so focused, like I'm praying and seeking what God's doing out there, that I miss. <laughs> I miss the guy pumping his gas next to me and what God's doing right there, you know? So we don't want to do that either. I don't want to fall into either one of those extremes. You know, the sad thing is this, that, that by missing these opportunities, you know what we really miss? I'm missing Jesus. Because if that's an opportunity where God's at work, that's where God's at work. And therefore, I'm missing God, right? Like, that's the biggest miss of all. It's not just the chance to, to, you know, to be part of something cool, but it's more about missing Jesus himself because he's at work right there. And, and I, this happened to me just this week, and I, I'll just, can I just share a negative story so from my life? So literally Wednesday night, Wednesday night, maybe my mistake will inspire you somehow. Wednesday night, 10 o'clock, we're getting ready for bed, and we get a fire call. So I'm a chaplain for the fire department in town. So the pager goes off, and over the years, 20 years I've been doing this, you know, I kind of get a sense when I, the, it's a call that I should go to. And I had that sense. I needed to go to this call, right? But I didn't want to go. 
I was tired. I'm on my way to bed, and I'm just not, I'm not into it. Wasn't into it at all. So I thought, well, Lord, I'll just listen. You know, maybe I'll find a reason to not go. <laughs> but I knew Jesus was telling me to go. I knew he was, I knew it. And uh, so I'm listening to the call. And they, the, the, they get there and they say, oh, fire's out. The fire's out, heavy smoke condition. Perfect. There's no fire. You don't need me. Perfect. And then, and then I hear another time the chief calls over and he says, tells the first fire truck that showed up. He said, don't lay in hose. Excellent. You're not even laying in hose. So it can't be that big a deal. You don't need me. I'm going to bed. So I go to, I'm going to bed. And then, but I keep this, this voice. And, and then I'm in bed. And the chief actually called me on my phone. And I, I saw the phone and I said, I'm in bed. I'm not <laughs> I didn't answer it. I let it go to voicemail. And then a few minutes later, he texted me. Hey, if you're there, can you pick up your phone? I read that too. I didn't respond. I went to sleep. I had a terrible night of rest. And I felt so convicted. I was like, God, this is... Yeah. But, I, but I, didn't get, I didn't feel convicted enough to get out of bed. Isn't that interesting? I mean, what is that all about? So then the next morning, I called him on Thursday morning, and I apologized. I, I, full confession, I told him everything I did. And everything I just told you, I said, and I asked for his forgiveness, and I'm, no excuses. I have no, no excuses. And, and he was very gracious, and he was very kind, and I'm thankful for that. But in the process of that, he said, yeah, I called you because, you know, um, in the process, there were two, the family's two dogs were uh, killed in the fire. And the family was very upset and distraught, and, you know, they could have used a chaplain to come and comfort them. But he was in bed. So, <laughs> yeah. So, right? So I felt like even more of a goober because I, I missed that opportunity, right? And, you know, and I thought, Lord, what is, what's wrong, like, with me? What's wrong with that scenario? What's wrong that, that here Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to go there, and, I'm, and I want you to join me there. I want you to go work with me over there. And I don't. And, and it's not even a passing thought. It's a constant, like, keep you awake because you didn't do it kind of thing. And I still don't go. Like, what is going on with that, Lord? You know, here's the deal. I, I don't know exactly how to do it, but I think something's got to change in my own life so I don't do that again. And I wonder if you're in the same boat as me. You know, people to whom, you know, for me, people to whom I'm committed were left hanging because of my selfishness. And, and what's worse, I missed a chance to be with Jesus because he was going to be there and I didn't show up. So what has to change, Lord, so that I don't do that again? See, here's the thing I know. This is as deep as I've gotten it. I know that my body and my soul and my spirit are all connected and so that if my body is tired, because I've gone a million miles an hour that day, no matter how much my spirit wants to go, my body's going to say, no way, Jose. And, and I also know the same is true with my soul. If I'm emotionally drained and I just have nothing left, well, 
that has the same effect as if my body is physically tired. So as my spirit says, let's go, I'm saying, nope, not in the mood, not going. I, I know this one thing about the time that we're in. We talk about the time we're living in. We're living in a time when we are inundated through social media and all with problems, problems, conflict, conflict. Like we're literally marinating in troubles. Have you noticed that? Like literally. I think we're just marinating in it. Every day, all day. Like, and according to the media, according to the politicians who profit from it all, like they want you to think that everything that happens is the end of the world. It's the end of life as you know it. It's the end of America. It's the end of democracy. It's right. It's always the end, always the end of something. And, and the, the result of that is that everything is intensified. And by making everything intensified, the net effect of that is worn out souls. My soul's just wrung out. Like, I don't give a crap about people anymore. Because every, every other day, it's another big crisis. And after a while, I'm just tired. And we are all there. Because we're, we're marinating in it every day. So, so that's tragic because people are the most valuable, aren't they? People are what it's all about. And, and, yet, and yet I feel like all that's going on has actually stolen my ability to actually love the people that God puts in my life. Do you see the same thing in your life? See, so, so how do we do this? How do I, how do I preserve, you know, my, my physical body so that I've got some strength to go? How do I protect my soul so that it doesn't get on my last nerve? Like, how do I do that? Because it seems like no matter how many stories of, you know, prophetic housewives that we hear about that are inspirational that start national revivals, like, it doesn't really inspire me, does it? Is it you? Say, oh, Halda, that's cool. Great, good for her. Nice Bible story, Rouse. But does it change my life at all? To be honest, no. No. Because my body's worn out, my soul's worn out, and my spirit might say, yeah, that's a really great word, but, but, not, not going to happen. So yesterday I'm praying about all this, because this, this thing happened Wednesday night, and that's really been weighing on me this week a lot, and, and I feel like it's just an indicative, it's like, it's just a, an indicator of like where I'm at, you know, I'm like, Lord, this is not a good place that I'm in here, this has to get changed, so I've been praying about this, really seeking the Lord about it, and Yesterday morning, I heard this verse in prayer. Jesus said, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know that verse? And I think, oh, that's such great news. And then, and then I heard this, yeah, but if the yoke you're wearing is heavy, hard, and the burden you're carrying is heavy, then it's got to mean you're not carrying Jesus' yoke. You're carrying some other yoke, Right? If the yoke that I'm carrying is hard and the burden that I'm feeling is heavy, could it be that I've missed Jesus? That I've left Jesus? Like, because if I'm walking with him, the burden is light and the yoke is easy. If I'm not walking with him, it's the other way around. If I'm carrying his burden, it's light. If I'm carrying some other burden, it's heavy, right? So if the burden I'm carrying is heavy, Jesus, I think I've traded burdens. And I, I need to get yours back. And that doesn't mean that you're not tired. Karis and I were talking about this yesterday, too. 
Because remember, the last Sunday we looked at the story of Jesus and talking to the woman at the well. And remember, she, the Bible actually tells us Jesus was tired. So, even, so Jesus got tired. So if Jesus got tired, it can't be a sin in getting tired. Like, that can't be the problem because we get tired. The issue is, how can I still be tired but yet still stay focused on what God's doing and work with him in that moment? Because Jesus did the same thing, didn't he? Tired though he was, he engaged the woman at the well. So how can I do this? Tired though I am, go to the fire call at 10 at night and mourn with a family that lost their dogs. You know, how, how do I, how can I muster up the strength to do this? I don't know. <laughs> here's what I have. Here's, here's how I'm going to close this. The closest I've got as I'm praying about this, and that's this. First, I've got to repent. I guess that's the first step is, is you know, I'm, I've missed God. And so this has been my loss, not God's loss. God doesn't need me to get work done. It's not like God needed me to go see that family Wednesday night. I don't believe he did. I think God still ministered to them, and God has still done a work in their lives. I'm the guy that just missed the great opportunity is what I did to see Jesus at work, right? So he doesn't need you and me. That's good news. But still, Lord, I've missed you. And I'm sorry. And I repent of that, Jesus. I don't want to miss you. And then the second one is I reconnect. Jesus said, you, you, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said that. So apart from him, right? So I need to be connected. I need to, my connection to Jesus is the most important, probably the most important part of my whole day. Staying connected to him through the day. And have you noticed how everything in your life fights against it? You notice that? Everything is pulling you away. Everything. So how do we resist that? How do we fight against that? Well, it might look like, uh, it might look like um, you know, you take a, before you get home after work, after a long day, if you get a chance, you take a 10-minute little walk around the block or something. Or, or, or maybe it looks like you finish your day, you get in your car, you sit down, before you even turn it on, you just take a minute. Say, Jesus, I'm just giving this day to you. You know, evaluate the day. Reconnect. It doesn't take long. It really doesn't. Just to redirect your thoughts and your attention to Jesus, you know. It might look like if you're staying at home with the kids, it might look like you lock yourself in the bathroom for five minutes and just listen to a worship song on your phone, you know. And parents have done that. Christian parents have been known to do that. You can do that. That's Right? It might look like that. Just five minutes to listen to a worship song on your phone. It might look like taking a break during, uh, during your work hours. Just take a minute, you know? Hey, people take smoke breaks, so why not take a, a prayer break? Why not, you know, go outside, get some fresh air? Jesus, I just want to, I just need you. I'm just going to reconnect here. You know what I mean? Just whatever it takes, but fight to stay connected to the Lord throughout the day. And then the third thing is reprioritize. How can I use this season for the Lord, this season that you're in? You know, your season is, every season is different. It is. And so in every season, it looks different how, how we do it. It does. So if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you got your little kids and you're surrounded by them all day, every day, that looks different than if you're, you know, in the empty nest. It looks different than if you're a student at school. It looks different than if... 
you know, you're, you've got an illness. I mean, sometimes people have a, a, an elongated illness, time of recovery or something like that. That's a season, isn't it? How can, how can you use this season to the glory of God? That's the question. How can I use this season to the glory of God and maximize this season? Because it's the season that the Lord has placed me in. I think that's how Huldah did it. I, 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 don't, I imagine that she's, like I said, a housewife slash prophetess. Her husband's got the government job. And when the time came, she was ready and she was faithful to bring the word that launched a revival in the nation. And you, can, I, you and I can do the same thing. So here's how I wanted to close this morning. Let's just close by giving this season that you're in to the Lord. Okay? Whatever season you're in right now, and you know it far better than I do. But can you just agree with me? As you bow your head, Lord, I'm just going to give this season to you. Just take a moment in the quietness here and do that, would you? Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.